Rick Madison, Rick and Friends. Hey, thanks for listening. Um, this is very timely. So today's session, podcast, whatever you want to call it, is is going to help us build a better future. There's a lot of people out there in Canada struggling. You know, they have a fixed income, they have rent, they have a lot of pressures on finances. We have uh, a bright light, and that is Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer is the executive director of Launch Okanagan, and she is our guest today, and she's going to give us some insights. So welcome to the big show. Thank you for having me. So Jennifer, let's, uh, let's dive in. There's a lot more people using the food bank. There's uh, various people in my life that, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to, to rise up. I want to talk a bit about... You know, some of the things are obviously external pressures, but I want to talk about the self-induced ones. And I want to talk about just different ways that we as a, as a people and, and as society can help, help ourselves before we can, you know, because money gives us options and you're going to help us try and figure out financial literacy really is what we're doing. Yes, and that's what we do at launch. So I think it's first important to state that, you know, there are a lot of real challenges that people are facing right now and a lot of hard situations that they're facing that, you know, have come up suddenly and they're having a hard time dealing with it. Um, so there are certain things that you can't budget away. And I, I think it's important to state that up front. But, you know, I think for most people, there are things that we can do to help make our financial future a little brighter and help make our life a little easier today because we know that when people are facing financial stress and there is a lot of that right now and especially this time of the year that stress is it wrecks havoc on your physical well-being your mental well-being your relationships with others there's a lot of side effects of of all that financial stress some of which we put on ourselves for sure and it's, you've often talked about the fact that financial matters are often emotional. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a tough time bringing it up around the table. Uh, whenever I ask my son about his allowance or what he, what he does with his money, you know, there's a look of consternation on my son's face, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, I, I'm just trying to have this open dialogue about it. And I do find that sometimes, you know, there's, there's pushback because it's a very, personal intimate item in in someone's life it is and when we run our programs that's always the first thing we start talking about is our relationship with money our emotions around money and it's always really encouraging to me that when you create a safe space for people to talk about those things so far it's been my experience that people really open up about it they want to be able to talk about it and sometimes it's easier to have those conversations with a group of strangers than it is sitting around your own dinner table. Um, it can be hard as a couple to talk about money and for sure with kids, even though it's such an important thing to do. So yeah, I think it's important if you are having those discussions to recognize the emotion and that a lot of us, you know, we carry um, a lot of baggage or, you know, difficult past experiences with us and we bring that into that conversation. So there's, there's a couple of different things I'm thinking about when you have these, these sessions, people have to want to be coached. I mean, we have, there's a person in my life. I can see her very vividly. She has a fixed income. She's making some choices that obviously are not great for financial health. They include cigarettes and, 
uh, as much. So there's, it's a dual part here. One, you know, you have to want to quit smoking. So that's something almost entirely different. But smoking costs a lot of money to actually do. And so as a family, we're having a discussion around this saying, how about, you know, you stop smoking? And, and I know I'm saying that glibly, but it's, we just want her better health, want her around. But the other part is this financial part, which is if you want to smoke, you have to get a part-time job because as a, as a pensioner, you can't smoke and, and not make an income because that's going to cost you a lot of money. So there needs to be an openness, I would imagine, regarding your curriculum because if you just talk and, and nobody really wants that information, I mean, that's a real discord, I would think. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing more exciting for me than when I meet someone in our program and they're really interested in making changes or they're self-discovering things themselves like that they need to change. So this one woman um, recently, she had did the math on something she was spending money on every day and she added it up herself before we even talked about it and said, oh my gosh, I'm spending that much per year. Like, whoa. And that's where it gets exciting because um, then you get to decide, well, what's more important to you than that? So if it's cigarettes or, you know, coffee every single day or going out to eat lunch every day. Um, So we're never there to tell people you can't do any of those fun things, but maybe you, you trade it off or you do things in moderation. What could you do with that little bit of extra money, even if you spent half as much? What's that other 50%? What could you do with that? What could you save up for? And that's when people start to get excited and can see the possibility. So it's a lot easier to stick to your goals and stick to how you want to spend your money when you can envision something even more exciting to do with it than what you're already doing with it. It's that uh, pleasure pain scenario, which is, you know, to to get anyone to change, they have to see the, the light, they have to see the horizon. Or pain, which is your current scenario is just not going to reap any rewards. So you got to change it or you're going to be on the street and, and that kind of scenario. So it it seems like from from a standpoint of, of finances, though, this is such a tough conversation, especially this time of the year, um, where, like I said, it, it you know really brings it to a heightened awareness. Do you find that you get way more people asking about your services and about your advice in in January, February kind of thing? Is that really when the pain points hit for most Canadians? Yeah, I mean, I think so. We're starting another dollars and cents program on Tuesday, January 24th, and it's um, sponsored by Chrome Akai, this this program. And I'm expecting that we're going to get a lot of takers um, into that start date because, yeah, January comes around and it feels like a good time to have a fresh start, maybe try something different, uh, learn something new. And then for some people, if you celebrate over the holidays and you're buying gifts, Um, If you haven't planned ahead for all that spending and you're spending on a credit card, the bill comes in in January and now you've got to figure out how to deal with that. And that can be quite overwhelming. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to get a really great group of interested people. And you're right. I mean, you've got to want to make those changes. And um, when we get a group together where you can see people are really interested and they take those little tiny things, like it doesn't have to be a lot. And I think sometimes people feel so overwhelmed that they don't know where to begin. 
And so, you know, a really exciting thing for me is if we can help simplify that and show people that, okay, then just focus on this one little thing. Just do that, figure that out. And then, you know, maybe in another month you can try this one other little thing, but you don't have to try to do everything at once. But when you're overwhelmed with bills and your credit card, you know, has gone up and up and up and you're not sure where to begin, that's a really tough position to be in. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important just to recognize that and, and have empathy for people that are in that set of circumstances, because where do you go for help? Like, hopefully they'll come and contact us. But um, a lot of people just don't know where to go. Well, and, and it seems like when I think of my, I, I have a someone in my family who has struggled mightily with uh, finances and it seems like I've told him often enough that when let's shovel the piles when they're small and he'd racked up credit card debt that was he was just paying the minimum payment and it became so arduous that I think he called me when he was 84,000 in debt and and really nothing to show for it and it just kept escalating every month so he had to actually declare bankruptcy because it was just it was just too much he's he's 7 years removed from that and you know i think on a better path but he says one of the things that helped him immensely was the fact that he got financial counseling mm-hmm. when he declared because that's part and parcel with declaring bankruptcy i didn't know that Yeah. And I mean, I think it's important for people to know that if you sit down and create a budget for yourself and, you know, you do all the hard work, you look at trying to put together a plan on how you're going to pay off the debt and there is no way to make that plan work. So you look at the numbers and in five years from now, you're still going to be struggling to pay that off. That's a, a time to recognize that you need some specialized help. So whether it's through credit counseling um, or meeting with a licensed insolvency trustee, and there is no shame in that. I think when people go get the help they need and they get a plan put in place, it's like this feeling of relief and then you can move forward. So, you know, you can close the door, you can learn from it, but then you actually get to go, okay, now I'm going to do things differently. Um, And through some of the learning, like the credit counseling that that person would have received, then yeah, that should help them moving forward and to not make, you know, those same decisions in the future. Now, let's, let's talk a bit about some, some plans. We're, we're into uh, the month of January. So is what what kind of lay, give us some idea of a foundation you want to lay for people that may be looking at some financial hardship. Is there stuff that they can do right now that would help them into 2023? Yes, there's so many things. Um, where to begin? Um, so I want to talk about one of my favorite things to do in January. And people who have done this have come back and said, Oh, it's made such a difference. So let's just, and this doesn't work just for the holidays. This can work for other things that come up throughout the year. But let's picture you're someone that likes to buy some gifts in December. You like to have some family over that costs extra at the grocery store. Um, So in January, if you've never done this before, sit down, pull out your visa statement or your bank account statement, write down what exactly did you spend and on whom. So how much did the gifts cost? How much were the extra grocery bills? Now you've got a number. So that's what you spent this year. You get to decide, do you want to spend that much next year? Do you think it'll be more or less? Come up with a number. And then what you're going to do is, let's say you get paid bi-weekly, you're going to take that amount that you want to have to spend next December and divide it by the number of paychecks that you have 
maybe you want to get all your shopping done by the end of November. You're super organized, unlike myself. Um, how many paychecks are there until the end of November? Okay, so you take the total amount of your budget, divide it by the number of paychecks, and then that's how much you have to save every single time you get paid. You open up a special savings account, call it your Christmas savings account, and then if you get paid on a Wednesday, Thursday morning, you have an automatic transfer, so you don't even have to do the work, and it's gonna go from your checking to your Christmas savings account. And then come the end of November next year, you're gonna have money in that savings account to spend. So you can actually enjoy the holidays, you can spend time looking for gifts for people you care about, and it can all come out of that savings account, and I guarantee you're going to enjoy the whole experience so much more than having to look at a credit card bill in January. It, it, it seems like part of that would be the fact that you can't see it, like you really can't see it on your, on your active bank account, so that's why it's gone, and you don't really think about it, you just... It automatically goes into that account and then you just kind of forget about it like it that's what it seems to me of, of the key part of that explanation yes exactly your pay comes in it goes out it's gone you can't spend it um, but I mean having said that and coming up with that number can you afford that bi-weekly transfer if you don't know the answer to that question then you probably don't have a budget in place and really all the budget is is a spending plan you know you make this much income you can do a bi-weekly budget or a monthly budget whatever makes sense to your brain um, but you get this much income coming in how do you want to spend that money so it doesn't have to be fancy it can be something on a piece of paper but do you have an idea of how much you spend every month so that when you come up with a budget amount for your holiday spending can you afford to do that transfer every two weeks if the answer is no gosh i spent this much this year and can't save up enough between now and December 1st of next year well then you got to go back to that spending budget and go maybe I can't spend that much in December next year so then what do you do you have children mm -hmm. and do you find that a lot of this arrives on deaf ears like this level of planning or are they is there more appetite for it with them um, well, my kiddos are still pretty little, um, but they've started saving up for things that they want. And I think when it comes to like paper money at their age, they can understand that concept. But I know when I talk to other parents about the holidays and setting up a savings plan for that, like most people are, gosh, why haven't I done that before? So I, I think the appetite and, and the interest is there. And it doesn't take a lot of time. Some things we, we want to do or need to do could be quite time consuming. I don't actually think this is. And it can also be like something you involve the whole family in, creating your own Christmas budget. And if that way you have to be mindful about how much you spend, everyone understands why, right? Or if you have to have a difficult conversation because you've got, I don't know so many cousins in the family and everyone's buying gifts for everyone then you can go to a family member and say you know I can't I can't do this next year it's just not affordable and that might feel like a hard conversation but I don't know I think the majority of time if you're honest with other people about I just can't afford it they understand and then you find something different to do like an experience or getting together to celebrate versus buying things so this year uh, we have a, a gift exchange and based on uh, a member of our family who's you know on a fixed income we decided to set a limit 
just to make him feel more comfortable and and it's fine and it's actually more inventive and creative to to find a gift for twenty five fifty dollars than spend whatever you want um and I want to bring up another idea that my aunt brought forward years ago. She said on her birthday, it would be great if everyone just shared a story of of something that they shared together that she could collect into a book. And she said it was actually one of the best birthday presents she could have ever received was all these wonderful memories captured in a in a book that she created. So there is different ways to show appreciation and love for for people in our life. And uh, that's what I think you're getting to is sometimes it doesn't have to be monetary. Other times it can be different things. Yeah, those are both excellent ideas. And I think if you do have a big family and you're getting together like that, if everyone draws a name, and so then instead of trying to scramble and buy 10 gifts, you're buying one, I bet you your enjoyment level of like focusing in on that one person, what do they like? Am I going to get them something thoughtful or funny and ridiculous? Like you can have a lot of fun with that versus feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got to go buy 10 presents. And then it's not as fun for you. And I bet it's not as fun like with the gift opening. If you're going around in a circle and having that big experience, that could be really fun. So let's talk a bit more about uh, kids and maybe a conversation parents can have with their kids. Is there a, a plan or, or various high points that you can share that parents could share with their kids to give them, I guess, more tools going forward? Because I think something that you mentioned about, you know, your kids are young, but I don't think kids just press a button and all of a sudden they have financial literacy one day. Like you yeah, have to, true. You, you have to start very slowly. And, and it's just like uh, when I was getting my kids to clean up their rooms, I started, even though it's painful to watch somebody that's, you know, really has zero skills, <laughs> create skills, but it's, it's much like that, that learned, uh, that learned skill. You have to start somewhere. So you're saying, start as young as you can so that it, it becomes an easier part of a conversation versus they turn 14 and okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about financial literacy. Like, I don't think it happens that way. I think it's baby steps. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you know in 15 years if we've done it all correctly. <laughs> but with our kids, like they're six and eight. So we have, um, they each have three little mason jars and they decorated them. One says uh, spend, one says save, and one says share. So we just work with coins. Um, they do have to do you know, chores around the house or things, all age appropriate things that they're more than capable of doing. Um, and so we'll put coins in these jars. And so the spend jar, if my eight-year-old wants to buy a book, um, he loves reading, then he can take those coins and it's his to spend how he wants. Um, if there's something bigger that they're interested in getting, then over time that save jar, or if they get some money for like a birthday, they can put more money in the save jar and have that satisfaction of then, I mean, I feel bad when they go into the store with all these coins, but (laughs) you, you know, they're saving up. And then the share jar is one that's really important to me. 
is helping them understand that, you know, when you're older and you're earning an income, that part of that is trying to find ways to give back to other people. So um, we've done, we've brought them to the food bank, we've brought them, you know, to Mamas for Mamas, United Way, um, there's a few other places and we'll bring them in if we can because they can actually see where the money's going and then they bring their their little donation in um, we engage them in that discussion and so it just helps them to realize that money can do different things and that's why we have those three jars so that's where we've started I, I think it'll kind of progress from there um, you might just be raising perfect children I doubt that <laughs> <laughs> But it's also talking about the price of things. So this much costs this much, right? Yeah. Uh, or this item, sorry. So my older son is starting to, oh, well, that costs this much. Is that a lot? And like, it's all trying to understand like the relative cost for things and helping them to appreciate what they have. But um, yeah, that that's that's a tough one. I just think that's an ongoing discussion. At some point down the line, I'd like to involve them more in understanding some of the household expenses. I just I think they're a bit too little for that now. But for sure, by the time they leave our house, they I mean, if they're not master budgeters, then I don't know. That's not going to look very good on me now, will it? <laughs> well, speaking of not looking very good, uh, I want to share a story. So when my kids were young, we would. I would have a, a spare hour or two or something like that. And I'd say, hey, let's go down to the toy store. And people are going to hate me after this story. But anyway, that's okay. And we'd go down there, and it was an exercise in, in restraint. So we would look at things. And it was partly because I'm, I'm trying to get ideas for Christmas and birthdays and all that stuff. And we would just kill time in the toy store. And so my, my common refrain to the kids when they saw something they loved is, oh, Dad, I'd love to have that. i go, you're... Your dad can't afford that. And then we just keep moving along. And I just kept saying often enough, they just, it became automatic. Well, dad, you can't afford that. So we were looking at a, a bicycle, I think, and, and Tessa's birthday was coming up. So I I said, oh, honey, I wish I could, but uh, I just can't afford that. So as I was moving along, um, at when we were just about to leave, a mom came running up with a child and said, I've got your daughter's bike at the till. I'm happy to pay for it. Um, and just, you know, we can slide it off in your vehicle. And <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and at the time, I was driving a Mercedes. Um, so oh, it no. was <laughs> it was just um, some of these plans can backfire, obviously. You know, lovely people in Lots Kelowna. Lots of good intentions, right? Yeah, there was really, good intentions Oh, there. wonderful intentions. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so... It, it's interesting, though, that some of our ideas around this um, are, are, are really ill, you know, ill-conceived, I could say. What, are there some things that parents are doing that maybe we should stop doing to help children get to the next level? And, and one idea that I have is <laughs> um, some kids feel like if they just go out and with a parent, the parent's just going to buy it. And I... I do see this a little bit where the kid's going, why do I have to save? I just know you're going to buy it for me whenever we go out. So why don't I just, so the value of money doesn't seem to have any, any connectivity with a child. Is, is that one of the, the things that you would tell a parent is maybe stop doing that and maybe have them save up for things? Like, is, is that part of the ideology or? 
Well, I mean, kids are very smart, right? If they realize that if I just ask enough times, if I cause a really big fit, then I'm going to get what I want. Um, And it's funny, we never talked about money when I was growing up, but I do remember my mom saying to me, and I remembered this as a new parent, that one time my sister and I were little in a shopping cart somewhere and we threw a fit. There was something we wanted, who knows what it was. And mom said she left the cart, she took two of us by the hand and she walked out of the store. And she said, no, we weren't here to do that. We're not buying this thing, but I guess we were really on our worst behavior. And she said, we never did it again. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, in a perfect situation, that's what happens, right? You're like, no, we're not going to do this. And she just, she said she left everything, which was a massive inconvenience at the time because she had things she needed to get done. Um, So yeah, I think that's important to be mindful of. But also as parents, I think we sometimes have to remember it does not have to be perfect. You know, there's so much pressure on parents to do all the things perfectly. And I think if you're getting it right, even 20 to 30% of the time, you're probably doing okay. You know, and being honest um, about things is is really important too. But yeah, I, I was reading something not long ago and it talked about being careful what we say about money in front of children in terms of not making them feel guilty. So that if we are choosing to do something for them or pay for, I don't know, sports fees, that we're not using words that implies that, oh, I'm paying for this expensive thing for you to do, now we can't do these other things. You're the reason why we can't, you know, there's that that guilt. So maybe the intention was trying to help them understand that, wow, it's amazing we can do this for you. You're in this really cool sport. It does cost a lot of money. I hope you're grateful. But if it comes across in a guilt sort of way, then those are some negative feelings surrounding money than kids can have early on. So yeah, but again, like there's no way to be perfect with any of this. I just, I think we try and be honest and open and do our best and age appropriate. Age appropriate. That's key. Uh, we'll be back in a bit with more uh, Jennifer from Launch Okanagan. Uh, but for a few sponsor messages, uh, D6 Print Studio, large format print printers, which means you can print, well, large things, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, pop on clonernow.com 24 hours a day for your new source. And thanks to our friends at uh, Pereira, which is a brand new jewelry store. Uh, caters has Takori, Simon G, various other brands and rare and exceptional items lovely place go check it out okay so back with jennifer launch okanagan lovely chat learning a lot uh i also want to talk about that ugly word which is budget and and it just it makes my butt cheeks clench up when i think (laughs) about a budget because it is it, it feels restrictive it feels like a diet and and i don't like diets either so how do we kind of frame this in a way that actually makes it more palatable? Because right now, like I said, when I hear budget, I just think I won't be able to do fun stuff. Yeah, we definitely hear that a lot. And it's like the not so nice B word for sure for some. But I think when you shift your mindset around it, like your whole thoughts of budgeting can change. But the first thing um, when it comes to budgeting is understanding your why. 
Why do you want to do it? Are you considering budgeting because someone told you to? Or you think that's what people who are uh, really good with their money do? That's not a good enough why. So your why might be um, you've just had a new addition to your family and you really want your kid or kiddos to have a little bit of money put aside when they go to post-secondary. And you want to find $20 in your budget to start saving in a registered education savings plan. That might be your why. That's going to help you stick to how you want to spend your money because you're going to make sure that that $20 is available every month to put in their RESP. Maybe your why is that you've got family living in a faraway place that you've never visited before and you really want to take this super special, exciting, wonderful trip. Like that's not restrictive or no fun, but you know, what's the option there? Well, if you have a credit card, you can put all those expenses on a credit card and hope for the best later. Or you can set that goal for yourself, figure out how much can you afford to save for this super exciting, amazing trip and start doing that every month. And so that's your why. So when faced with, you know, extra expenses or maybe you're not planning ahead for your meals and you're finding, you know, takeout bills are getting extra high. When you remember that you want to stick to your spending plan because you want to take that amazing trip or you want to save for your kid's education or you want to have something besides CPP and OAS when you retire, I don't know, those become more compelling whys than, well, my dad told me I need to budget. (laughs) So there can be some fun built into a budget. And I would say if there's no fun in your budget, then it's not actually a budget. So think about a situation where like a family is trying to be very mindful about spending and costs have increased dramatically. But one thing they love to do is going out to watch a movie. Like that's super fun. Everyone loves it. Then figure out like how much does that cost? Family of four, you know, do you get snacks and treats? Like what is that number? And when you look at your budget, how many times can you afford to do that? Is it once a month? Is it every second month? Figure it out and then go do it. Right. And then you're going to enjoy the heck out of that movie night as a family and look forward to it and plan for it because, you know, you can afford it. So like that's what budgeting is about. What are your priorities? What's important to you? What gets you excited? And even if that excitement amounts to 10 or 15 dollars a month, that's all you can make work right now. That's meaningful. That's something. Put it towards something that's important to you. Is there um, such a thing as a rainy day or emergency fund in, in your household? Yeah, emergency funds are, are so important. Um, and I, I think over the past couple of years, people have seen even more so how important they can be. So yeah, saving for an emergency fund, if you're not sure what else you want to save for, and it's just a few dollars you have every paycheck to put in it, start with that. What I find gets in the people's way of saving is they go, ah, what difference does $10 make? And then they don't bother. Where instead of like taking the $10 a paycheck, putting it aside, watching it grow. And then maybe in a year or two, maybe you can do a little more than that. But if you don't start building those habits, the savings habit, then if somehow miraculously a whole bunch of money falls on your lap in six months or your pay, I don't know, doubles, something crazy, do you think you're going to start those habits then? Maybe not right? Maybe you just spend more. So I think you can start really good habits, even $5 a month, just start it so that as hopefully things change and you might have a little bit more free income, you'll keep that habit going and you'll increase it and do other things because you can get excited about it. Should most people cut up their credit cards? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I mean, I could I could talk for an hour on credit cards alone because I think a lot of people see benefit in it. And, you know, if you're a small business owner, as an example, and you're buying lots of things for your business, you get a lot of points. You can use those points to do something, you know, fun. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of convenience using credit cards. Sometimes the credit cards have really good features where they add up for you. How much did you spend on gas? How much did you spend on groceries? So they give you some of that budgeting information. Um, but on the downside, it does make it really easy just to tap, tap, tap and not have the connection to how much you're spending. I was talking with a group last week and um, they got really excited about this idea. So maybe I'll, I'll share this one is if you've had trouble with credit cards in the past, but you want to improve your credit score and you really want to use it well going forward, or maybe you've never used a credit card before. I think this was this woman's situation. So I said, well, why don't you open up a savings account? And every time, so you're just going to use your credit card for a couple of things. Maybe it's your groceries, gas, and I don't know, one other thing. And then every time you put something on your credit card, you could transfer from your checking to that savings account. So you spent $150 at the grocery store, I'm gonna put it in my savings account. That's for my visa bill when it comes due. So if you can afford to put it in that savings account, then you get in this really good habit. Your statement gets produced, I don't know, say the 22nd of the month, your visa statement's available. You have the habit on the 23rd, you go in and look at it. This is how much is due. You see the money's already there, you make the transfer, you pat yourself on the back and you move forward. So you're building that really good habit of using the credit card, paying it off in full. And you never have to worry about having the money to pay for the bill because it's already sitting in that account waiting for you. So, I mean, you can obviously pay on your credit card whenever you want. You don't have to wait until the bill comes in. But for this person, they really wanted to get in the rhythm. And that was an idea that was going to work really well for them. So, yeah, and, and, and that is a one. good one because that's a healthy relationship with credit cards. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're all trying to strive for is <laughs> a healthy yeah. relationship instead of a toxic one. Yeah, I mean, the other thing you can do too sometimes, so if, if you're very committed to paying off your credit card and you realize that I just can't use it right now, like I'm not in a good place with it, I know if I really focus, I can get this paid off in the next couple of years, then I, I've um, had lots of conversation with people that have said, I'm going to put it aside for now and I'm going to focus on just paying it off. Well, you can always call your credit card company and see, is there another lower rate option for your credit card? So lots of credit card companies have multiple cards you can pick from. Um, do they have a lower rate option and do you qualify for that? So if so, then you're paying off your card at a lower interest rate. If your credit score is still quite good, um, maybe go back to your financial institution and go, got this credit card amount outstanding. I'm really committed to, you know, paying it off in full and making all these other good changes. I got a budget. I've joined launches dollars and cents class, perhaps. Um, you know, what other options do I have to help me pay it off faster? Because obviously the higher the interest rate, more of your payments going towards interest, less is going on the principal. Is there a lower interest rate option that's going to have your money working and paying off faster for you? You don't know if you don't ask the question. Um, don't be discouraged if the question or the answer, sorry, to your question is, unfortunately, there isn't another option right now. I mean, keep going on like that. That can happen. But at least take the time to ask the question and go back and see what your financial institution can do for you. Um, it seems like you really enjoy what you do. I do. 
I really do. And which, I have to which say, is awesome. it's mostly um, the people that I get to meet. So I feel very humbled by a lot of the conversations that I have. And um, yeah, I find a lot of the people I meet are quite inspiring. And they've been dealt some pretty, some people have been dealt some pretty difficult situations in life. And when I watch them, like, pick themselves up and keep moving forward and committed to their families, they're committed to their own well-being. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really amazing. Listen, uh, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for sharing the insight. And and if people wanted to get more information about Launch, uh, how do they go about that? A couple different ways. You can go on our website, launchokanagan.ca. If you are interested in joining our dollars and cents program, eight weeks, it's free and it's on Zoom. Um, then you can go on to our new website, uh, launchmyfuture.ca. So if you put in launchmyfuture.ca, it'll bring up a form. You can fill in some information, um, your name, your email address, and just tick the box for dollars and cents. And then we'll be in touch with you to register you for the upcoming class. Wonderful news. Okay, well, thanks again for sharing and a very timely uh, discussion. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Thanks for having me.